You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savvis Learning Company. Today, I'm here with my colleague, Karen Usiskin, Editorial Manager on the Envision Mathematics Solution for Grades K-5. through Karen, who's our special guest today? I'm honored to have Dr. Randall Charles on the show today to discuss some of the challenges teachers are facing and think about some ideas for meeting those challenges. Dr. Randall Charles is Professor Emeritus in the Department of Mathematics at San Jose State University. He has dedicated his life to mathematics education and works closely to train teachers at all grade levels. His research interests have focused on problem solving with several NCTM publications, including Teaching and Assessing Problem Solving, How to Evaluate Progress in Problem Solving, and Teaching Mathematics Through Problem Solving. We're honored that Dr. Charles is a lead author on our Envision Mathematics Solutions for Grades K-5. to Dr. Charles, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So great to have you with us. So, Dr. Charles, teachers are facing a variety of challenges right now. What do you think are some of the most pressing ones? Karen, the teachers listening to this podcast are doing so because we all want to do what's right for our children. We all want to make a positive difference for our students, but there are so many challenges right now. And all the expectations that we have for our teachers and uh, the expectations for our students, they're taking place at a time that's personally very stressful for teachers, for students, for the families. Even though most people listening are are aware of of the big issues, it's important to briefly review them and, and make clear which ones we'll be addressing today. Now, obviously, the in-person school year in the spring of 2020 was significantly shortened for essentially all students. Online instruction or remote learning was the dominant instructional mode. And we've learned that there was significant variability in the quantity and quality of that remote learning experience. For example, we've learned that the number of days of instruction varied greatly within and across school districts. Uh, the amount of instruction each day varied a lot. And that means together that that less math content was developed with many children in the spring of 2020. Access to online instruction wasn't equal across all areas. And the reality is the quality of instruction varied. Uh, This was a new form of instruction for most teachers. They had a significant learning curve. And of course, it was a new form of instruction for students. The learning variation was significant. That came with, obviously, reduced social interaction and, particularly important, reduced cognitive interaction. And it's important to remember that coverage does not necessarily equate with depth of learning. So the question is whether the content taught last spring via remote learning produced learning outcomes of the same level the same depth of understanding as those from in-person instruction, and how does that vary from student to student? So there's great uncertainty about what content was developed and how deeply it was learned in the spring of 2020. There's a good phrase called, there's a phrase called unfinished learning that captures the essence of the issue that we face. Finally, Karen, uh, many teachers in this country are still in the process of understanding and learning 
how to implement their state's standards in ways in which they were intended. So all of us have been thrown this curveball in the midst of learning about and growing into somewhat new standards, depending on which state you're in. This just adds to the challenges. Certainly an overwhelming number of issues. So where does that take us now? How can educators meet those challenges head on? Well, as I said, most students had less instruction in the spring, leading to some unfinished learning. And the available instructional time this fall has been less than normal. And there's less time for each lesson. So the number of days, total instructional days is likely to be less. So a challenge is how do we handle the unfinished learning from the previous year and address the new content expectations for the current year? When again, instruction is mostly, if not entirely, remote. We can't just say to teachers, let's just do it faster. So let's think about some ideas to address this, this dual challenge. First, I want to talk about unfinished learning. Every teacher knows that the curriculum at her or his grade assumes some content was learned and remembered from the prior grade. They also know that there is some content from the prior grade that is reviewed in the curriculum at their grade and then extended to new ideas. So working with my colleagues, we did an analysis of the content in Envision Math, focusing on what would have been taught with regular in-person instruction during the last third, the last third of the year in the spring of 2020. We then identified what of that content was not going to be retaught at the subsequent grade and what content was going to be revisited. We made recommendations for how to address unfinished learning from the prior year at each grade. Now, these recommendations we put together in a set of documents titled Guidance Documents for Prior Year Key Concepts. I can describe this work best, I think, by using a specific example. I'll talk about the grade three to grade four transition in Envision Math, and I'll break this down slowly because there are several numbers involved. There are 39 lessons in the last third of Envision Math at grade three. Of those 39 lessons, the content in 23 of those is reviewed and extended in existing grade four lessons. So you don't have to be concerned about that content. It's picked up again and extended at grade four. That leaves 16 lessons. Our analysis of those 16 lessons shows that the content in eight of them, although not explicitly included in grade four, can be easily integrated into existing grade four lessons. That leaves only eight lessons from grade three that need to be included as extras, if you will, at grade four. So to summarize, out of the 39 lessons in the last third of the year at grade three, there are only eight that need to be considered at grade four as additional lessons. That's good news. That's good news. The amount of content from the previous grade that needs to be included in the current grade is actually quite small. And two points. That number, eight lessons, that's about the same for every grade when we did this analysis. So it's very consistent. And it turns out that most, if not all of those eight lessons are in what we call the non-number strands, geometry and measurement. Okay, so a teacher needs to teach the full curriculum for her grade, integrate some content from the previous grade, and add a few complete lessons from the previous grade. I understand that. But instruction this fall is still remote for many students. 
So even if zero lessons from a prior grade needed to be considered at your grade, can teachers really develop the full curriculum for their own grade? Yeah, good question, Karen. Many of the challenges faced this past spring continue to the fall of 2020. A great deal was learned last spring that makes the fall maybe less of a challenge, but it's still difficult. So the answer to your question, in all honesty, is probably not. If conditions are the same, and even though we have developed some best practices for remote learning, the time challenges are still there this fall. For many, there are fewer days of instruction. The amount of instructional time each day is probably less. So part of the solution to this challenge is, is simply to set priorities. We must decide what content needs to be developed in a focused and, focused and coherent manner at each grade. So learning gaps aren't created and understanding and proficiency are not sacrificed. Many math educators around the country have come together to provide this needed guidance. They have created documents that are called priority instructional content, and they do a few things. First, and this is, these are for, by the way, grades K, kindergarten through high school. They do several things. First, they identify the content that should be the focus of instruction in the upcoming year. That's your priorities. Second, they identify where and how content from the previous year that may have received little attention can be integrated into the upcoming or the current year. And then third, they identify content that can be omitted, not because it's not important, but because there will be opportunities at other grades to develop these ideas. So do these two sets of documents, the guidance documents for prior year key concepts and the priority instructional content, uh, do they work together? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the guidance documents identify possible unfinished learning from last year and suggest places in this year's Envision Math curriculum where that unfinished learning can be addressed. In other words, they show you where those eight lessons from the prior year can be included. The priorities documents look at all the content for the current year and identify which of that content takes priority. Some of the unfinished learning from the previous year may be among the priorities for this year, and some may not. Unfinished learning from the previous year that's not a priority can be pushed down the road. Again, not because it's not important, but because it's going to be picked up at a later time. So <clears throat> whether I'm having in-person instruction or teaching remotely, do these time challenges mean that the way I teach math needs to change? Uh, let me uh, respond first by sharing a question that an Envision Math user recently asked me. She said, what are some lesson features or program features from Envision that you feel are important to include this year? Now, the core instructional model for Envision starts every lesson with a problem-based learning experience called solve and share. This is phase one of instruction. In this phase, students solve a problem that enables them to connect their prior knowledge to a new math idea. Making those connections builds understanding. That's what research tells us. Making those connections builds understanding. The second phase of the Envision instructional model is called visual learning. This is where the important math concepts, 
definitions, vocabulary, and procedures are made explicit in the program. When instructional time is shortened, there can be a tendency toward thinking that instruction can be most efficient if one just uses the visual learning parts of Envision and drives instruction by show and tell teaching. I'm just gonna show and tell students how to do math and then just have them practice. While that might seem to be a time efficient approach, it's not effective. Additional learning gaps are likely to result and those learning gaps among students are likely to be greater. So the solve and share element in each Envision math lesson, the authors know and the research tells us it's the key instructional component not to be omitted in this new instructional environment. Students who understand the foundational ideas of math developed through the solve and share experiences will be better equipped to efficiently learn and master math procedures than those that are taught through show and tell. Also, driving instruction with problem-based learning, the solve and shares, it enables the teacher to build focus and coherence by making explicit to the kids the big ideas and understandings that connect math topics. For example, adding with three-digit numbers should not be treated as something completely separate from adding with two-digit numbers. Problem-based learning can make explicit the big idea that the multi-digit addition process, it's the same, regardless of how many digits you're adding. So those connections make learning efficient and powerful, and they come out when you're having conversations about solving, solve and share learning tasks. Now, some hesitate, well, okay, that's great, but how can you do problem-based teaching in a remote learning environment? Well, it's clearly beyond the scope of this, this short podcast to address this, but there is a growing body of resources showing teachers how to implement and manage problem-based learning in a remote uh, uh, teaching situations. Let me just mention a couple. For example, there's a video titled Distance Learning with Envision Math, and there's a document titled The Envision Lesson and Distant Learning that together explain the important elements of, of Envision Math, of an Envision Math lesson for synchronous and asynchronous environments. Both of these resources are provided with the Envision Math online course. <clears throat> there are a few other aspects of teaching math um, uh, that should not be compromised in this new environment. Let me just comment on these very briefly. Uh, mathematical practices should also not be pushed aside in favor of math content. These thinking and reasoning habits are very important and they need to be infused in the work students do and in the daily classroom conversations. We can't push those aside. And as I mentioned above, thinking about the big ideas and the essential understandings we want kids to have that link related content and lessons can't be pushed aside. Emphasizing these really promotes efficiency and effectiveness. And finally, build a plan for identifying unfinished learning, but use what, what, what the literature calls a strengths-based approach. Begin instruction with the ideas and the procedures students understand and start from there to address learning gaps. Starting with a, a, a mindset, a strengths-based approach, what the kids know, it brings a mindset uh, uh, of, of instruction where you're beginning with what the kids know and not what they don't. It's a confidence builder for students. There's a close connection between the social, emotional, and academic development in mathematics that can't be ignored. Well said. 
Yes, putting our students first and continuing to provide a learning environment that helps each to flourish is a common goal across all curriculum areas. We appreciate all the hard work you and teachers do every day to achieve that goal. Dr. Charles, thank you so much for your insights today. Thanks again for having me. Hopefully what we've shared today will provide educators with some ideas for working through these challenging times. Okay, Walter, back to you. That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to both Dr. Randall Charles and Karen Usiskin for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This podcast is presented by Savas Learning Company, a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Visit savas.com today. Learn with us.